Hello and welcome to Path to CEO. This is episode one, the beginning. Some of you may be wondering why I've decided to start a podcast and the truth is, this is an idea that I've had for the last 12 to 18 months and I haven't been comfortable putting myself out there. Always there's been a reason or a justification to wait for a better time and the reality is there will never be a better time or a perfect time. I know that I learn through doing, so I'm starting. I'm nervous doing this. Like, I don't know what the response will be. I don't know if anyone will listen. I don't know if anyone will like it, or even if some people will hate it. But, like, I don't know anything about what's going to happen. I'm setting aside my fears, though, and I'm doing it anyway. So, I appreciate you sharing this on your social media. I appreciate you messaging me any support or feedback or thoughts on this episode. And more than anything, I appreciate you listening. So, thank you. That being said, episode one. Now, this is an episode that I really love because at the time of recording, I was so nervous. It's something that I'm going to be able to look back on and see my growth and my progression and the increase in my confidence as I go and I'm going to be able to I'm going to love doing that so my guest today is a man called Greg Santos Greg is an entrepreneur a productivity machine incredibly disciplined he wakes up at 3.50 every single day 7 days a week 365 days a year to run an accountability group at 5am called The Morning Hustlers. Greg also helps young professionals and entrepreneurs build relationships with potential mentors as Greg has done incredibly successful himself. Incredibly successfully himself, sorry. Cool, hilariously funny and incredibly disciplined. Greg is an amazing person that I have the pleasure to know. And on this episode, Greg shares his lessons that he's learned from his mentors, the journey that he's been on to get to be the amazing person he is today and that's something that I think doesn't happen enough in society. The conversation about, oh, this is who you are today but who were you and how did you get to be the person that you are today? That's what we discuss in this episode and Greg shares some really incredible insights. He's been on an amazing journey and I'm really excited for you guys to listen. So my first question that I put to Greg is, Greg, tell us a little about your journey, how you got into entrepreneurship and personal development and how you just got started in life. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always say that I'm, I'm no one really special. You know, I, I came from a household that had domestic violence uh, my father um, was, or actually not was, he does belong to present tense to a notorious gang out here in the United States. Uh, he went to prison four times. My mother, she didn't graduate from high school. My favorite uncle used to literally snort cocaine in my living room as we were growing up. And I didn't have the best role models to look up to. In middle school, I went to a uh, predominantly Hispanic uh, middle school. I was one out of three or four black kids at the school. 
And, you know, kids are ruthless, man. I'm being called the N-word and I, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to stand up for myself because to me, uh, speaking up and having a voice and confrontation usually ended up in some kind of violence and, and terror. And I just couldn't stand up for myself. You know, I remember being called the N-word in front of a group of people and just uh, not speaking up and not standing up for myself in middle school and, and then in high school, being called the N-word from people that I really wanted to be a part of the group and just feeling completely humiliated. And I'm not just saying it with like, with black people, we say with the A at the end, so it means friend, but they were using it like how like plantation owners use it, like hardcore, like dang, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ruthless. But uh, after I graduated from, from high school, I uh, was going to community college. I was going through a breakup with this girl who was cheating on me. I knew she was cheating on me, uh, but my self-esteem was so low that I felt that if I, that being alone was worse than being mm-hmm. with a girl that's cheating on me. I feel like I can change her, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my friends were going to universities. I was going to community college. I felt really dumb. I didn't mm-hmm. know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my life. And, you know, the thing about life is sometimes we have these setbacks, but looking back years later, those setbacks can actually be the biggest blessings of our life. And, and one of them being me going to community college and another one, me actually failing my driver's test three times because of that. My brother-in-law used to take me to school and on the way to school, he would play these motivational tapes, uh, you know, by Tony Robbins, his personal power two tapes completely, um, that put Tony on my radar. But about a year later, I hit a huge, huge, huge depression and I was, I was desperate for some knowledge. So I asked him for those motivational tapes and he gave them to me. And uh, he le- he led the horse to water and the horse drank and drank and drank and I couldn't get enough. I started buying books, listening to podcasts, going to events, traveling to events, paying for seminars, events, and just working on myself, going to Toastmasters meetings, improv. And over the past five and a half years, I've invested over $30,000 in, into wow. my own self-education. And mm-hmm. uh, today, thankfully, you know, I have a, you know, a whole variety of mentors. And I have a, a group of ambitious people like yourself that comes to the morning hustlers every single day. And I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so grateful because there's so many people that it doesn't turn out like this for them. So mm-hmm. I'm, I've already won in life. You've been on this immense journey to become the person you're proud of being today. This is a conversation that I don't think we have enough as a society. It's so easy to look at Greg as the hardworking, disciplined, stoic leader and entrepreneur that he is today, but that wasn't always the case. It's very easy for us to look at someone who is ahead of us in life without appreciating the journey they've been on to become that person. So Greg, can you let us know, who were you at 17 or 18? How did you spend your time and like, what was your reality like back then? That's a fantastic question, man. Never, man, never been asked that. Uh, man, I would say at 17, I, I was mostly, oh man, 
17 and 18, what was I doing? Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing much, you know? Uh, I think a big priority of mine when I was 17, 18 years old, because I found personal development right as I turned 19. So 17, Mm -hmm. 18 years old, I spent a lot of time watching TV shows. Uh, One thing that I did a lot was um, I would... I would just watch a TV show to its completion all the way through. And that was, I was like, oh, that was, that was awesome. Well, let's let's go to the next TV show. And what's the next TV show? And I was, I was addicted to TV. And I'd often find myself in a a social media vortex, uh, which is I would move between Instagram. I'll check Instagram, refresh my feed. You're right. But back then on Instagram, it showed you everything that was posted in chronological order. So you can catch up. So you scroll down and like, you keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And like, all right, I've seen everything. And then you hit the refresh and then new things will come up. And then you scroll until you start seeing the old post. Like, all right, I'm caught up with Instagram. And then I'll go on Snapchat. And then I would do the same thing because that was before Snapchat had messed up with their update. And I, people are constantly posting on Snapchat, catch up on Snapchat. Then I go over to Twitter and then refresh and then check Twitter. And that was a vortex. I mean, there was many nights spent where I would do that. And I was uh, going to college at the time, community college. I was uh, very unsure of myself. I had one acquaintance and because I was a doormat, she walked all over me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't stand up for myself. So I take responsibility for that. And I often found myself in situations that I didn't want to be in, but because I felt that I had to do that to be liked, I, Mm -hmm. I did them. And, um, you know, I, I feel like when I look at that, I feel like people can look at their past and be like, yeah, that's how I was. And, you know, those are my dark days. And, you know, I I look at that and I think, wow, I like, that's who I, that's how, that's how, who I used to be. And one thing that I got from Kevin Hart's most recent book, he says, only time I look in the past is when I want to see how far I've come. And mm-hmm. I look at that time in my life and I think, you know, um, it gives contrast to where I am today. And it just fills me up with even more gratitude, like, man, because I could have kept going down that rabbit hole. I could have, I, I could have still been my reality today. And um, yeah, thanks for asking that question. It makes me made me think a little. I'm a, I know I'm gonna come up with a better answer tonight as I'm going to bed. I'm like, damn, that was a better way. That's that's Honestly, what I think. Great of, answer. Right? It's amazing for me to be able to see the transformation between who you were and who I know you to be now. At 19 is when you really started engaging with personal development. However, you mentioned earlier that you actually first were exposed to those Tony Robbins tapes when your brother-in-law was driving you to college at kind of 18. So I'm interested to know what happened in that intervening year between you first kind of ignoring those tapes and then you actually going to your brother-in-law and asking to borrow them. Yeah, you know, um, so I would ride in the car with my brother-in-law and and he would play the the stuff, but I I wasn't ready for it. You know, I, I um, often just, so to uh, tune it out i listen to it sometimes but i don't ever really feeling like um compelled to listen i was just like it was like in the background and I'm like oh, that's cool i guess it's cool uh but you know i i likely i don't remember too much i probably was on my phone most of the time or talking to him sometimes mm-hmm. um 
And then I really struggled because I moved away from all my friends and I was very lonely. I was, I was a very lonely person. And I felt really dumb because my friends were going to universities and they'd post on the social media, like the friends in their dorm. I wanted to have that college experience. I wanted to have like, and be in the dorms and party and have fun. And that wasn't, that wasn't the reality. I was in community college. People kind of keep to themselves and, you know, my friends weren't keeping up with me or we weren't in communication rightfully. I mean, it makes sense. Like they're have their mm. new chapter of their life and uh, they're doing the best of what they have. So then I remember I was just feeling so down. I was feeling so depressed. And personally, as a people pleaser, I often had this front that everything was okay. I was always a happy guy that I had to constantly put effort to uphold this image. If I felt sad, I felt like I had to hide the fact that I was sad. Or if I was mad that I had to hide the fact that I was mad because I had this identity that I had this thought that people expected me to always be this happy, joking guy. But that's not the reality for, for most people and for anybody, right? We're human beings. We experience a wide variety of emotions. And yeah, I wasn't vulnerable with a lot of people, especially my family. And I remember I just, I needed help. And I'd, I'd always go over to my sister's house and spend time with them because I had nobody else to really go to. I hadn't, you know, my, my family, but I, I, the, it was cool. Cause when we moved, I moved closer to my sister, my brother-in-law, my niece and nephew. So it was cooler to, you know, talk to them and, and they're a little more open to talk to and I just hit rock bottom and I thought, I got to tell my sister what's really been happening. Like I'm depressed. And I remember in that kitchen, just sitting down in that chair and being like, Hey, I'm depressed. And I didn't know how she was going to react. Mm-hmm. And I immediately saw empathy on her face. She asked me like, well, what's, what's going on? And she talked me through and I, I instantly felt connection like love i'm like oh man it felt i'm like i'm thinking about asking Wes for those motivational tapes and she's like i think he'll be happy to give them to you so he walks to the door and i'm like hey what's up man and i was nervous to ask him for it and i was like hey uh i didn't tell him i was depressed i was like i just said hey man um can i get those motivational tapes that you play i'm looking for some change he goes oh yeah so we go up upstairs and he downloads everything onto a CD. And I remember I felt excited because I needed a change in my life. And I remember driving home with great desperation that night because I'm like, this is it. This is going to, this is going to change my life. Yeah. And I, it was like nine o'clock at night. And these days I'm actually in bed by night, but the, those days, you know, I, I listened to the first tapes and I'm like, wow, this is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then by day three, literally by day three, I felt better than I ever had before in my entire life because it felt like I just finally learned that I don't have to be miserable. I have the power to change my life. And when I understood that life isn't predetermined, that it doesn't have to be this way, it doesn't have to suck, or you don't have to live this certain way, that you have control over how you feel and over the actions that you take and, how, and you are in control of what your life is going to look like and you can at least move towards a more positive direction. That was power for me. And I, that was just, God, I'm so grateful for that time in my life. And it's, it's so interesting because you just said you're so grateful for it, but 
you just spoke about pain and misery and depression. And if you were to ask anybody, they'd be like, nah, that's a bad thing. It's a bad experience. It's negative. But you've almost reframed it and you're saying, no, it's not, it's not like that terrible thing that happened to me. It's actually an amazing thing because it drove me to change. Because if I hadn't had that pain and that, the, the pain to push me to change, you would have never changed, right? 100%. And that's, that's the thing, right? People can look at an event that's happened in their life and the thing that gives it meaning is not necessarily if it's a good or bad thing, you give it meaning. Mm-hmm. Growing up having a household with domestic violence, I'm grateful for it. And as a matter of fact, on Father's Day, I called my dad and I, and I told him like, you know, if it wasn't for what you've done and the, like, I'm grateful for it. And he couldn't believe it. He's like, what? He didn't, he didn't can't understand it. And I said, no, man, you don't understand. If I grew up in a household where we were comfortable and everything was easy and, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be the hard worker I am today. I wouldn't understand that discomfort is actually some of the biggest blessings that you can have. And, and I'm grateful that I had to deal with discomfort and how to like work my way through difficult situations at an early age. And man, um, so it's how you look at it. You can look at it and easily be like, oh man, like this messed me up and other people had good childhoods and I didn't. And, and why is life treating me? Like, well, you give that, you give it that meaning and no one gives it that meaning, but you. So you have to look at that situation and you got to ask yourself a question because your brain is a question answering machine. Whatever question you ask yourself, your brain's going to come up with an answer to. It's kind of like Google. If you ask yourself a crappy question, like why does this happen to me? Why does my life suck? Or why did these experiences like mess me up? Well, guess what? Your brain's going to come up with answers. But if you ask yourself better questions like, well, what's the good in this? How did that positively impact my life? How, what can I learn from that? Well, at first you're going to be met with resistance, but if you keep revisiting that and keep asking yourself that question, you think, well, because that happened, this happened. And that led to me meeting this person that led me to think in this way. And you know what? Yeah, that, that was, but it takes some time, but you have to start Mm. off with asking those questions and revisiting those things. Yeah. Something I've heard you say before and something you've spoken about before is you say is a big realization for you was life's happening for you, not to you. What I just took from what you were saying is you were saying that you had that realization. You got to a point where it's like, oh, I I see that happen. I I see the chain of events, how it went from one thing to another. And these things weren't just happening to me, they're happening for me. Because this, this terrible thing that happened in my childhood or whatever, it allowed me to have a realization or it built a belief or it pushed me to do something or to change or to go and start a thing that I was afraid of. But the pain I had growing up or the pain I had from this thing that was terrible pushed me because the pain was greater than the fear and the pain derived from that fear of, say, doing the the Toastmasters, for example. I know you you were Toastmasters for a year or longer, for for a a long time. And and that contributes, for example, your, your amazing ability to speak. And we see that in the morning hustlers. As, a, as an interesting point, what drove you to start the morning hustlers? A 5am accountability call, a community of entrepreneurs and professionals and ambitious people. What drove you to start that? Fantastic question, Tim. So when 
I was investing heavily into myself. I started to become a different person from books because you got to think about it. I was 19 years old when I first came into personal development, but my life has been lived in a similar fashion where no matter what environment I went into, no matter who I met, I was typically treated similarly because of how I was behaving and how the thoughts I was having. Mm. So when I came into personal development and I started reading books and, and, and investing in myself, my mind started to ch- like change. Like I started thinking differently. Patterns in my brain started to rewire. I started to look at the world differently. And it was a slow process, but eventually I started becoming a different person. And slowly but surely, I noticed that the people around me, the, the, usually around my age group, weren't thinking like this. They weren't taking their life seriously. They weren't investing in themselves. They cared more about what they were going to drink on that weekend. Or they'll talk about, I can't wait for my off days. Or what are you doing this weekend? Ah, same old, you know, not much. Like really nothing exciting to look forward to. And I, I thought, I can't grow around these people. How can I possibly grow on these people? Like, and they don't really care about themselves too much. But what I noticed was when I go see personal development events, like a Brennan Burchard event, a Tony Robbins event, Grant Cardone, uh, Derek Moneyberg, whatever it was, I met these amazing people who are just like me. And I would feel fired up when I'd go to these events and I'd come home and I would be around people that weren't operating on that same frequency and the famous saying you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with who you like you're a product of your environment my i started to not hold myself to those standards again and i'll be back to where i was so i looked and looked and looked for a long time for people that are like me it was so challenging to find because i don't live in a big metropolitan city and I remember I went on meetup many times to look for events and groups that are meeting up and I can never really find anything. And it would seem like most people who cared about investing in themselves were older people because they came to that realization that they need mm-hmm. to invest in themselves. And a lot of the younger generation didn't have that realization that I came to. And it, it made no sense to me why no one wanted to really work on themselves super hard. But I, I, Looking back, I, I understand. I get it, right? Yeah. But I was on hot yoga one day, and uh, I remember the last pose in yoga is called Shavasana, also known as corpse pose. And I'm lying down on my yoga mat, and I'm thinking with great intensity. I'm thinking, where can I find people that are like me? Where the hell are there people around me that think like me and how can I find be friends with them because I'm tired of being alone. I need to be around more ambitious people. And I thought, I, I, I can go on Meetup. I'm like, no, you've checked Meetup a million times, man. You keep checking it and nothing changes. Everything is so far away. You don't want to drive an hour away every week to go meet these people. What are you going to do? And then I thought, why don't you, Greg, why don't you just create your own group? And at first, I felt a little bit resistance to that because it's like the, the burden of responsibility. But then, I'm, but then like a couple seconds later, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why don't you create your own group? You should create your own group. And then I was like, I should create my own group. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a weekly accountability group with people that, with friends that I know that we aren't 
really close proximity wise, mm-hmm. but I can put together a zoom. This is before the pandemic, right? So like, yeah. uh, everybody knows zoom today, <laughs> but I, I put together this. I was like, I would do a weekly zoom meeting and we're going to talk about our goals and we're going to meet up every single, every single Sunday at eight thirty PM. We're going to talk about our goals. How do we do hold each other accountable? But the thing was people would flake People will say, I'm sorry, man, I can't make it. I have, I have some other things I got to get tend to. I'm like, what, what's more important than your goals? Like, th- like you, you're doing this once a week. Can you just make it once a week? I didn't understand. Like, oh, I was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then I went to this California Association of Realtors event where the speaker was on stage. He's talking about a 5 a.m. call that he does every day. And there's been several times in my life where I attempted to create a five, I do 5 a.m., wake up at 5 a.m. because I know I'd be more productive. Mm-hmm. If I work out early, I, I feel great and go launch into my days a lot more productive and feeling good. So I thought, oh, I'm going to join his call. So I joined his call and it was like three minutes and it, it just, it was on the phone. It wasn't on Zoom or anything. And I, I get off the call and I'm like, I can still easily miss. Like no one's holding me accountable. And I thought, you know, Craig, you should create your own 5 a.m. call. Because if you're the leader, you can never miss a meeting. And you're going to do this seven days a week. Because uh, if, if you slack off in a couple, for a couple of days, you're going gonna, to gonna have to keep fighting this battle. We're going to start doing this seven days a week. You're the leader. You can never miss. So I put it out there and people rose their hand. People showed up. I had like eight people that showed up for the first meeting. I did it every single day. And then 30 days later, um, you know, I went to a business conference and I connected with my now business partner, uh, love her to death. One of the most amazing human beings I've ever met. And she was from London and she started coming to my 5am calls. It was like 1pm her time. She's like, Oh, for my lunchtime accountability. And I'm like, why do you show what this makes no sense while you're coming? Like, this is a (laughs) 5am call a big limiting belief I used to have is like, what about people who are going to show up from like New York or, or central time zone that like, it's not 5 a.m. their time, but here this woman, this girl just shattered everything. Like showing up at 1 p.m. She starts sharing it with other people and then it went international. And, um, and that's why a lot of my friends today are actually international. And it all started with my business partner. That's awesome. And you've been waking up at 5 a.m. for over a year now. And what you've done is you've created a really powerful group and the impact that this group has had on my life and many others' lives has been really tremendous. So I just want to take a little bit of time here as well to just say something that I don't think you perhaps hear enough, Greg, which is thank you for making this, like, thank you for having this thought and sticking with it because is something that's genuinely touched my life and touched many, many others as well. So thank you for doing that. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to say that, man, because it's been as equally as life-changing for me as well. So thank you. Talking about hot yoga. So for those who don't know, and I didn't know this because I Googled it when I heard Greg talking about it. Hot yoga is basically yoga, just in a really hot and humid and heat something that, Greg, I presume you're quite familiar with because you're from California. And something that I think would be quite interesting to touch on is you go for runs. You don't just go for a run, a casual run. You wait until the hottest part of the day in California to go for a run, which for our listeners is 
I've seen Greg going on runs when it's 43 degrees Celsius, which is something like 109, 109 Fahrenheit, 43 degrees Celsius, goes out on a run. And, and this isn't just like a, he's running like up his street. He's going on like a, like a 5K run, 43 degrees. So Greg, it'd be really interesting to hear, why do you do that? Why don't you just go for a run at 7am? If you're awake at, you wake up at 350 why not go for a run then? It'll be cooler. What is it that makes you makes you want to go then? Yo, fantastic question. It's funny when somebody says that back to me. It's it's uh it's it's just hilarious to me. I don't know. Well, I spent a lot of time reflecting on my life, meditating, uh, going to sensory deprivation float tanks, and meditating for ninety minute sessions and. Um, Done, done a lot of crazy things in terms of diving deeper uh, within myself. And one thing that I learned is my biggest progress as a human being all came from when I was in the most uncomfortable in my life. The domestic violence episodes, being called the N-word, my depression that I went through, all of the tremendous benefits I received in life all stem from discomfort. They never, like no amazing change ever came, I won't say ever, but my most profound life experiences all came from this place where I felt very uncomfortable. If anyone has ever done hot yoga, you know how hard and uncomfortable that is. So I learned that if I put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable, I get better, and the more uncomfortable I am, the better I get. And that click for me, it was so simple. I'm like, all right, that means that I simply have to figure out a way to be uncomfortable every day in, in, in some way, some form of fashion. And I started going for runs earlier this year, and I'm not really sure what made me start wanting to go for runs, but... I remember I was leaving the house one time and I, I don't, you might want to do the conversion on this. I don't know what the conversion is, but I, it was like 91 degrees. It was before, it was right before the summer and I'm going for a run and my brother-in-law, he goes, it's like 91 degrees outside. And I look at him with a straight face and I just said, I wish it was hotter. And then I close the door and I go for a run. And I really meant that. And I listened to David Goggins' book, no, no, Jesse Itzer's book, Living with the Seal, where he lives with David Goggins for 30 days, who is a Navy SEAL, and they would go, like, David Goggins would see on the TV, blizzard, stay inside, do not, do not go outside, hunker down. David Goggins would look at that and say, you know what, it's a good time to go for a run. And they would go for like a 10-mile run in the blizzard when it says don't go outside. And I thought, well, David Goggins is a very, very tough man. And I aspire to be someone like David Goggins because he had a similar past to what I went through. And I know if I take action similar to David Goggins, I'll get similar results to David Goggins in terms of influence, in terms of a mental toughness. So I started going for these runs. And I was I was waiting for times where like it's blistering hot because if David Goggins can go for runs where it's like blizzard, stay inside. Sometimes I'll ask Alexa, I'll be like, what's the weather today? And sometimes in California, she'll be like, warning, excessive heat warning between now and tomorrow. And it's like the weather outside today is going to be as high as 110 degrees. I'm like, and I'm like looking, what time is it? Uh, what time is it going to be that? Okay, 3 p.m. I'm going for a run at 3 p.m. 
And then this is what really nailed the put the nail in the coffin where I was watching this interview. Um, the GQ was interviewing Tim Grover. For those who don't know who Tim Grover was, he was a, uh, a trainer for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. And they're, he was telling a story about Kobe Bryant when he was in the Olympics and they were practicing in Las Vegas and Kobe Bryant, he decided, he says, we're going to go for, we're going to go for a bike ride and we're going to wake up at four in the morning and go for this bike ride. And we're going to strategically wait till it's the hottest time in the day to ride back to the hotel or wherever they're staying. So I'm thinking if, the greats like David Goggins would go for runs in the blistering cold or if Kobe waited until it was the hottest time of the day in Las Vegas to ride back, there's something to discomfort that leads to greatness. And that click has really formed in my brain and I make the sincere effort as much as I possibly can every single day to find ways to make myself more uncomfortable. And Greg, something I've heard you speak about before is you have made the decision that whenever you have two choices, you've trained yourself to pick the more difficult choice. Can you explain a little bit about that as well and why you do that to feed your mindset? Yes, most definitely. Because again, this is why going through times of your life you're not, most, you're not proud of is important because it's important in terms of context. Mm. I look back in my life where I was taking the easier path all the time where it was easier for me to smoke weed and, and watch TV than it was for me to go out and learn how to socialize. And I think about how did I feel about myself during those times where I wasn't working hard and I was making easy decisions and I was, you know, comfortable, you know, I didn't have to work really hard. I, I had, I had food that I was able to eat. I didn't have to worry about like, is a house going to go under foreclosure? Like I, if I wanted to, I could be comfortable. And, and I, and I did. And mm. I didn't feel good about myself at all. It sucked. You know, comfort for me was like this. I feel like, I feel like I'm wasting my potential Just something with inside of me. So, mm. um, a thing that I learned about studying successful people is they constantly said that discipline is the, the key to success, being able to take action, even when you don't feel like doing it. And I started taking, like, and even David Goggins in his book, Can't Hurt Me, he would say, I started taking the path of most resistance where I feel more resistance to that. And I would do that. And mm -hmm. I thought, look, if all the greats were saying it, I got to do it too. If I want to be like them, if I want to have a huge impact like they do, I need to embody the same characteristics and take similar actions as they do. So whenever I find myself in a situation, I'm not perfect. It doesn't happen on hundred percent of the time, but I'd probably say it's a good 80 to 90%. Most of my decisions uh, going about my day, if there's a fork in the road where it's like, should I take this more difficult path or should I take the easy path? I'm like, if I, if I have that question, that, if that question pops in my head, I always take the, the hard path. But sometimes that question doesn't pop in my, in my head. So sometimes I take the easy path, but you know, 80, 20 rule, take the path of most resistance, 80% of the time, path of least resistance, about 20%. Something you touched on then, which is um, when you were, you were to, when you were comfortable, you, you weren't very happy with like the person you were. And something you mentioned before is we're a people pleaser and you were very kind of, you weren't happy with who you were. What was it that drove you to move away from those people-pleasing mentalities 
and become more proud of who you are. Yeah. A uh, big, big thing is um, having mentors. Um, that's why I help people find a seven figure mentor. Um, mm-hmm. Because look, you've heard my story coming from a household that had domestic violence. Like I shouldn't be here, but this is it, like most people who had my background don't end up where I'm at today. And it's not a brag. It's just, it's just the truth, you know, and mm-hmm. four out of my, my friends in middle school end up drop four out of five of them dropped out of high school. One of them is addicted to meth living in homeless, homeless in East LA. Another one went to prison for, for, you know, two and a half years. And then the other ones just work in warehouses and they have kids so young, like just squandered their potential. So it's like, look, I knew that if I just, now looking back, I know that my life wouldn't, would probably be a little bit similar to something that they've, they've gone through if I kept hanging out with them. But it was because I had a mentor, mentors bring me out of that. So my first mentor was, you know, my, my first, his name is, his name is Greg. He was my sales manager and I sat next to him for two years and he was a big personal development guy. Uh, worked for Tony Robbins at one point, was a millionaire in the nineties, extremely intelligent. And he would constantly fill my head up with positivity and, and books to read. And he provided me with a, a crazy amount of audio books and I would go to events and I, this guy put me onto this, um, you know, this company that talked about how to become a better communicator and more effective and in, in your communication skills and being more confident. Um, and there was one guy in particular who worked for this company. His name is Derek Moneyberg really showed me what it's like to be a man on his purpose and live a fulfilling life mm-hmm. and to live the best possible life that you can possibly live. And Derek is a, is a no BS kind of guy, very blunt, very real. And he was much like a father figure that I wish I had. He was very strong with his values very successful. And by me following what he said and taking his programs, uh, really just catapulted me in terms of my communication skills and how I, the standards I hold myself up to, he taught me how to be a leader and I'm still learning day by day. I continue to invest in his programs and I'm very grateful for him. Uh, but, um, you know, it just wasn't him. I like, it takes a village to, to, to raise a, a child, you know? And, he was a really, really strong influence. And then my other mentor, Greg, was a strong influence. But I have six mentors in total, and they've all affected my lives, my life in many different ways. And mm-hmm. that, that's how I became who I'm not a self-made person at all. I was curious. I took action, but I was always willing to listen. They liked that about me, and they continued to invest in my journey. That's awesome. It's so true what you're saying about the power of mentors. I've seen it in my life. When you have someone that can just kind of guide your path, even if it's just a comment, and they just say, by the way, you should think about this. And then you do that, and it just changes your entire worldview. As you mentioned yourself, you are someone who's extremely good at connecting with these high-profile people and building those relationships, and that's that's what you help people do. So what would be some like basic guidelines you'd have for connecting with those high quality people, both mentors and peers. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I would say the, the biggest thing is number one, nobody really likes hanging out with someone who feels like they're a know-it-all someone who's arrogant and, mm. um, 
you know, especially people who are successful, these people have been humbled many times. They have failed many times and they can read right through somebody like, like arrogance. That's a very big turnoff for, to make any kind of connections with anybody really who wants to mm-hmm. be around someone who talks about themselves all the time and elevates them, talks about how great they are. What people like to be around, number one, people like to be around someone that makes them feel good. Like we're emotional creatures. How, how much time do you want to spend around people who make you feel bad? Probably not many depends though. Right. Because there can be somebody that makes you feel bad, but also tells the truth. That's very successful. That can really penetrate and help help you make some change but there's other ways where people can beat you up or people can gossip and like there's Mm. so don't take my what i'm saying as black and white understand there's nuances to this is not like a, a, a single truth always think about okay like this is true but also this and also this and there's many different angles to that and but there's also the other side which is true and then so take what i say and and really evaluate that but um, another big thing is I got this from uh, one of an author I interviewed on my podcast and I never really thought about this and, and it's 100% true, which is when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I think about that in my own life when, when I was in the car with the Tony Robbins tapes, I wasn't ready. It was there right then. The tapes were right there in my fingertips, but I was not ready. But it was when I was ready and that became available to me. Now the student was ready, the teacher appears. And then with my mentor, Greg, I knew Greg for a year at that point. You know, we had some interactions with each other. And, you know, I always thought he was a very enthusiastic guy and he's really awesome. But I remember when I was in community college, I was writing, typing up an email. And I was so nervous to ask him to be my mentor. I wanted him as my mentor so bad. And I just couldn't mess. I couldn't muster up the courage to send the email. I was like, I don't know. I was really insecure. Right. But then I had met this guy at this event who paid for this big, like uh, something big. Uh, and he was like 22 years old and paid like $5,000 for a program. And he told me he was a salesperson. And I talked to my brother-in-law and I said, I'm looking to become a salesperson. Uh, he says, go talk to my sales manager, which was Greg. And he gives his sales reps a test to determine whether or not you'd be a good salesman or not. I go talk to Greg two days later. He offers to be my mentor. Oh my God. I was so, I was elated. I couldn't believe it. And first you have to be ready. Um, listen, you know, nothing, nothing's more frustrating to a mentor or nothing's more frustrating to appear as well. If you cannot be influenced where nothing's more frustrating than me saying, okay, I see your situation. You need to fix this, 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 if you're asking for advice and you go talk to them a week later. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? You say, ah, I didn't really do that. You know, uh, uh, you know, because of this, this, whatever. I'm like, I don't want to give you more advice. Like it just goes, it's frustrating. But if I give you a book to read and you go and you execute on that and you read it and you're like, and I did this, I took this action. You're like, Oh my God, like someone who's actually taking action. Like, Hey, I want some more here, go do this. And they go do it. And you're like, Oh my God. So being a great student, uh, be curious, like don't have an ego, take, take the action. Um, I think the biggest thing that's attributed to, to me is the fact oh, that, that helped me connect with not only mentors, but also peers is the fact that like, I don't, when I, when I talk to a peer, like with Tim, 
I don't feel like I just know everything and, and I'm just constantly giving Tim advice. I look at Tim and I'm like, this is my, this is my buddy who has something that valuable to add. And if he says something that changes my mind, I'm like, that was powerful. I accept that and let it influence my life. And now it's a, it's a win-win relationship and mm-hmm. just being humble enough to learn it, like they're like, that makes you more fun to be around. And, uh, I, I would say those are probably the biggest two things. Like when you're ready, the teacher will come trust that it will. It's happened many times in my life. And I keep hearing this from some very successful people. It seems to be a common theme mm-hmm. and be someone who is a humble person. Listen, take action. Everything you just said is so true. It's giving values, finding ways to connect. It's being fun to be around it. And that's a lot of what you also talk about on your YouTube channel, The Outlier Circle. And you also have a podcast by the same name where you interview seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners. Your other podcast is called CEO Life. That's where you talk about your struggles and your lessons and the wisdom you're picking up. I'm really interested. What is it that actually made you made you start that podcast what why is it you chose to start a daily podcast sharing sharing your life yeah you know uh fantastic question man ceo life um i a couple years ago like 2018 i i learned i was probably like three years into my personal development journey and there's so many things that i was learning and like a lot of people that i knew didn't want to hear the stuff that I was talking about and the concepts I was talking about. And another thing is I didn't really follow through with a lot of things that I said I was going to do. So I wanted to prove to myself that I can do something and I can keep doing it because I would, I would start something and I would quit. I kept doing that with many different things in my life. And I made the decision in November of 2018. I said, I'm going to start a new podcast and I'm going to I'm going to do 31 days of podcasting. I'm going to upload a podcast every single day in the month of December. And I didn't know if I can do that. I really didn't know if I can do that. And I batched to some episodes and then some days I would do them on the day of. And I actually did it. I did it. I did the 31 days of, of, of December. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I actually have 31 podcast episodes in one month. I followed through what I said I was going to do. And then I would start talking about my life and you know what? As a matter of fact, today I have 187 episodes on my podcast, but honestly, I didn't know how I was even going to do my podcast till about episode 80, 82 or 83. I didn't, mm-hmm. I kept figuring out like, how should I do my podcast? And so uh, I want that to be a lesson. I want to connect the dots for those who might have missed that lesson there. Some people think that they have to figure everything out first. I need to know exactly how the structure is going to be. I need to know exactly what the next steps are going to be before I start. But I created 80 podcasts, 80 episodes, 80 before I decided on how I'm going to do it. I worked through a lot of different things, uncertainties. How am I going to do this podcast? I have no idea. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the daily struggles because I think about, what if, what if Tony Robbins had, had audios from when he was coming up? What if Grant Cardone had audios from when he was hustling and he was nobody? How about David Goggins? Like, what if they talked about how they felt when nobody knew who they were and the emotions they felt and the fear 
and, and fighting that fear and that disbelief and that discomfort, what if we had access to that? And I thought, well, you know, I have, I have the work ethic. I have the mentors. I have the mindset to believe that I am going to come out on top in life. Mm. Let me show people, let me document this journey so when I am speaking on big stages and people are filled with doubt, they're feel like, can I do it? I'm like, listen, go listen to my CEO life podcast and listen to when I was sleeping on an air mattress and what I was doing when I was, when, when I was in a situation where I had no money. Like what, how did I live my life? What was I thinking about? What books was I reading? How did my day to day go? Because the thing is the people we look up to, we tend to, project this perfect lifestyle because they have these opportunities or traveling. They have beautiful people around them. They have amazing friends and we can think their life is so great. They, you know, uh, like everything they want, they can have it. But we fail to realize that these people are just human beings, just like you and I, even though they have these external things that we may not have, they still feel fear. Even at their high level, billionaires still feel this fear, uncertainty, doubt, insecurity, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling unloved, feeling unworthy, feeling like, why would someone listen to me? They all have the same experiences, the human experience. It's like, it's human nature. We all feel this way. So if I can put this into perspective, I think that's going to be a good way to give value to people to help them understand. Like, listen, if a kid who can come from this household that had domestic violence can overcome and it wasn't always great, if they can still win, What's your excuse? You can do the same thing. I'm nobody special. I'm a human being just as you are. I feel exactly mm-hmm. what you feel, but I do things differently than what you do. And hopefully people can listen to that and make necessary, necessary tweaks that can really change their life. That is an amazing example for how I feel about doing this podcast, right? This is something, an idea that I had for quite a while and I haven't done it until now. I've always had the idea to do it but I've never done it. Why? Well, I was afraid. I don't like, I even now recording this, I was saying to Greg before we started, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, excited. I I don't know what's going to happen. And that was, that's my reality. And even putting this out and posting it, I I don't know if anyone's going to listen. I don't know if people are going to listen. They're not going to like it. I don't, I I don't know what's going to happen. And that uncertainty is daunting. But exactly as Greg just said, it's, it's the human experience. And that is life. And you're going to have that all the way throughout your life. If you're just waiting for something to be perfect or for that fear to go away, you're not going to do anything. That's, something, that's the reality that I've lived, which is you're waiting for the perfect moment, but the perfect moment never comes. And, and then so you're just, you're, you're stalling, and you never really get any momentum because you're always waiting to do the thing. You actually kind of led me to the realization, Greg, which is I learn through doing. It doesn't matter if, you know, I, I release this podcast episode and perhaps it doesn't do very well. I don't know. But I'm definitely going to learn from it. Worst case scenario, I'm going to learn worse. That's worse that's going to happen. And it's, you really led me to that realization, which is just, just do it. Take action. You talk in your podcast, CEO Life. Why have you called it CEO Life? Yes. And 
just to touch on something that you just mentioned, people tend to think that you need confidence first before you take action. So what people tend to do is procrastinate. They need to read more books, need to go to more events, need to you know, do more things so they feel confident, then they take action. But that's not the case. You gain confidence through action. So you have to first feel uncertain. You have to feel like, is anyone going to listen? Does this even make sense? Like, why would anyone even listen to me? For a long time, I would go without even having a single listener. I'd just look and like, or I would have one person, but no one ever told, like, no one ever say, hey, I listen to your podcast. I would just keep seeing the number one pop up. I'm like, someone's listening but I don't know who it is. And I'm like, well, I have one person listening and I'm looking now. I'm like, Oh, I have, I have quite a bit of people listening to each podcast. Like, and I only know a couple people who voice it to me, but I'm like, thank you. Anonymous people who listen to my podcast. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. I call it CEO life because my first, uh, the, we were talking about Derek earlier. When I first saw Derek, one of the first things that came out of his mouth was you're the CEO of your life, whether you want to be or not. And when he said that, I was like, like mind blown. Like that makes so much sense. So there's a couple of different meanings behind that. Number one, it's like, yeah, you're the CEO of your life and put yourself in a position of a CEO. When they see things in their business that are lacking that need help or there's bottlenecks and it's tough, what does the CEO go do? They go tend to that. So it makes it more efficient so they can have more success. It's the same thing for your life. You're the CEO of your life. There's parts of your life that need to be fixed, like maybe your relationship with your with your parents or with your friends, or maybe that you aren't doing so well communication-wise. Oh, you got to go fix that so your life can run a lot more smoothly and your mm-hmm. business of your life is successful. And if think about if a business that doesn't do so well in marketing and they say, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore, ignore that, I don't want to deal with that. Well, you're not going to have a business for very long. You're not going to have a successful business. Same thing with your life. If you ignore certain important things, you're not going to be as successful as you possibly can if you actually did the uncomfortable things intended to that. So, so there's that. And also, I am a CEO of my company, of my business. And it's like, well, at the same time, I'm talking about my life. What's the life like of a CEO? What do they go through? What do I go through? What kind of thoughts am I having? So there's, there's two different parts of that. And again, that second part didn't come to fruition. I, I didn't think of that second part until like episode 80 when I started really diving in deeper and talking about my life. And I really figured mm-hmm. like, this is how I'm going to run my life of my podcast. And I was like, oh, that's another meaning to CEO life. By the way, another thing, I wasn't in love with the title CEO life for like the first 50 or 60 episodes. I didn't like the title. I'd ask people and I'd always get the same response. Eh, it's okay. It's an okay title. So look, things don't have to be perfect. Here I am at 100, episode 187. I, I figured out how I want to have my podcast. And I love the name because it makes sense now to me. Mm-hmm. So just move forward fight through the insecurities, fight through the doubts. Even when no one's listening, um, you know, one of my mentors, he's a founder of the, um, he's the founder of 2000 books. This guy has a seven figure business selling book summaries to entrepreneurs. And I remember my brother-in-law was on a zoom call with him and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's going on, man? He goes, Hey, what's up, buddy? I said, Hey man, um, I'm looking to grow my audience. I like, how, how did you grow your audience organically? And he, and he said, you know what, man? You just like, don't do it for the money. Really don't do it for the money. This is a man who has a seven figure business, right? He says, if you're passionate about it, 
you're going to have to talk about it when no one is going to listen. And like, that's your thing, but you just, you, you love it so much that you just have to, you have to keep talking about it. And I think about that often, like, yeah, like I just have to have the passion for it. And people, people love it. I have raving fans, uh, people who really like our lives are changing from the content, people who literally mm-hmm. listen to every episode and say, when you said this thing, wow, I'm like, wow, like you're really listening to me. And here's the thing, right? I'm so open and authentic and honest on my podcast. Like I talk, like, um, I'll be authentic right here today. I had a stomachache the other day and I had like a, I think a little stomach flu, you know, going a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I literally shit myself, uh, like not like freaking trying to fart right in the, like washing dishes. I'm like, Fuck, I just fucking shat myself. And I talked about that on the podcast. I talk about on this podcast. Um, But I'm open about the journey. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know where I was going with that because I was so focused on the shit. But but regardless, (laughs) regardless. Literally, literally, Yeah, just (laughs) just take action. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. People will love you for that. What you just did there is, is you, you lost your train of thought and you're completely open with it. You're completely open with what you're talking about and you're just really authentically you, which is one of the things that I admire so much is you are you. You're not trying to be anyone else. You're not trying to portray anything. You're not trying to create this image. There's none of that. It's you are genuinely trying to help people. You are authentically yourself. How do you think that's kind of impacted your your networking and the way you've built your relationships? Has that helped you or hindered you? Or what's your perspective on that? Yeah. So one thing that I got from Joe Polish, he he's in Joe Polish. If you don't know who he is, he's guys really, really well networked friends with Tony Robbins, friends that just knows him friends with Tony Robbins, friends with Richard Branson, Tim Ferriss, uh, really, really extremely well-connected has a mastermind called genius network It's $25,000 a year to be part of. He has a mastermind called genius X, which is a hundred thousand dollars a year to be part of. Like Chris Voss is a member of that. He's like the head negotiator of the FBI wrote the book. Never, never split the difference. Like the CEO of coffee beans in there. Uh, it's crazy. This guy's very well connected. And he said that when it comes to connecting with people, you got to understand that people connect over struggle more than anything. You take somebody who went to war, you put them in therapy, it might be difficult to get through to them because maybe the therapist doesn't really understand, but you put together a group of people who all went to war together, that that's going to be completely, because like everybody went through that struggle together. And that's why AA works so well, Alcoholics Anonymous, because everybody has that community of struggle. And I think that's why the morning hustles work so well, because we all struggle with trying to make something happen for ourselves. We're all trying to build a business, trying to make our name in the world. And like, there's a lot of uncertainty. Our friends are telling, our old friends are saying, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. You used to stop our parents. Our mm-hmm. most important people in our life are telling us like, what are you doing? And we're like, what? Like you, like I'm going after my dreams. How come you don't support that? Which is very weird, but we all have a struggle that we're going through and that's what makes us bond so well. We're able to talk so freely. So understanding that when I talk about my domestic violence, Somebody else who's an entrepreneur who has gone through something similar, they're like, I've gone through that too. I know what it's like to have self, low self-esteem and understanding that it doesn't matter how successful somebody is, everybody's gone through a struggle 
everybody is going through a struggle. Everybody has something fucked up in their life currently. No one has, is living this perfect life. Like even Dan Bilzerian is not living a perfect life. Dan Bilzerian has struggles. This man has insecurities. This man, um, you know, like has fear. He experiences all of that just like you do. And he, his struggles are a little bit different and he will be able to bond with people who understand him. That's why celebrities hang out with other celebrities because they understand the struggle of what it's like to be a celebrity. And no one tends to understand that. People think that these people are like gods and are looking up to them and like, oh, life is perfect for them. They have all this money, but it's not the case. Celebrities understand other celebrities. So when I can go in and be authentic and I can share something about myself that can seem embarrassing or it's um um whatever it is it's it's my human experience and it shows that mm -hmm. i'm i'm just a person and there's again there's nothing special that i'm doing i just look at my life and think this is my life this is what i've gone through these are my experiences and i know that by me sharing them it's helping other people in their life and there's Nothing that's been more fulfilling for myself than to see somebody transform, than to see somebody um, live better because of a struggle that I've gone through and just to be able to share some information that's like, you know, you said this one thing. Like, for example, I shared me shitting on myself on your podcast and maybe hope that might even inspire you to be like, man, I should be more open with other things like, like that opens up my mind because how do I feel when he said that do I feel like I just got closer to him yeah I think mm -hmm. so and it's like yeah that allows people to be more open and honest about themselves and because of that people can feel like they can trust you they can relax around you they can be comfortable they can share their deepest insecurities and there's so many things that people have bottled up with inside of themselves that they can't share with their friends and family but if you can be a person that is so comfortable with yourself and the trials and tribulations you went through you can allow somebody else to share that with, with, with you, you have such a powerful connection. And if you just portray yourself as this perfect person, like oh, I'm this shit and I'm great, you no know, one can relate with that. No one can fucking relate with that. And, yeah. and the people who don't know any better will, will might think like, oh, wow, that person's so confident. But those who really know can, can spot you out in a split second, just like that imposter right there, game recognized game. And like you, if you, a few weeks ago when you shot yourself, you were like, man, I'm the shit. I'm the real shit. <laughs> Dude, that happened like two days ago. <laughs> oh, shit, shit. All right. All right, literally, literally shit. <laughs> a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about your name for your podcast. Originally for me, the name that I came up with for this podcast was Changing People. I originally was going to call it Changing People because we are all changing people. We all start somewhere and we become very different people. And that journey and that transformation is not something that we really talk about enough. And that's kind of what we've spoken about here today on the podcast. And how you, you started life in an environment that was at times toxic. There was domestic abuse. There was a lot of negativity. And, and you've gone on this journey to become the person you're proud to be today. And so... My final question for you, Greg, is what, what advice would you give to your younger self, given who you are now, the person you've become? What advice would you give to Greg, who's just turned 19? He's just starting to experience this world. Effectively, what do you wish you knew you'd known then that you now know? 
what advice would you give to someone that's on that journey who hasn't started that journey yet, but they're like, they're listening to you and they're like, damn, I wish I had the confidence to admit that I shot myself two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what would you say? I know what, okay. I have, I'm glad you took a while to ask that question because it took me a while to come up with the answer. So I, I would hope that I would listen to this advice because I was so focused on gaining more confidence. That was all I focused on. Like I cared nothing more than to be confident in myself. That's all I cared about for five years straight. I was like, how can I be more confident? How can I be more confident? And I relied on external things to bring me confidence. Mm -hmm. Or if I make X amount of money and when I first got into business, like, oh, I can have a business. I can travel the world and I can take pictures and people see how awesome Greg's life looks. And then that would make me feel better about myself. But that, like, that's the wrong mindset. Nothing external can, like, can really bring you long-term happiness of film. Some people, again, nuances, right? We talked about black, no, there's no black and white. Having kids, I'm sure people will say, no, like my kids, something or my relationships have brought me a lot of fulfillment. And that's definitely been the case for myself. But I would say I was looking for, I had to get something to make me feel better about myself. I would tell myself, look, man, it's good to have those things, but you're going after it for the wrong reasons. You're going after it so you can make yourself feel better about yourself. Instead, focus on how can you just become better as a person, get better, put more, like invest in yourself for yourself, grow for yourself, dive deep into yourself and be okay with who you are as a person and really grow not to get something, be okay with what you have, be grateful for what you have. Not everybody has two parents that are alive. Not everybody has the ability to walk. If you were born 150 years ago, you would be a slave. If like, even if you were born 50 years ago, you would have to, you wouldn't be, in the position to become an entrepreneur, like how you are today, like think about like what's great in your life already. Be 100% okay with what you have. Work hard to grow yourself for yourself. And those things that you want, they'll come. If they don't come, you're also okay with that. You don't need those things to feel okay with yourself. What you need to do to feel okay with yourself is being okay with the actions that you're taking, being proud of the person you are, being proud of the person you're becoming continue to do the you're gonna I'll, I'll tell myself yeah you're about to go on this crazy journey man you're about to do a lot of inner work and be grateful for that that you're coming across this so early on in life you're about to go on the, the most gratifying journey that anyone can possibly go on but work on that for yourself don't work on it to get validation from people and at the same time do your best to help other people with their lives as well. When you're looking around, say, you know, this person, they're, they're going through a tough time. They're sad. How can, you, how can you possibly help them out in their life? How can you contribute? That's definitely tough because your brain isn't fully developed like, um, like until the age of 25. And it's hard to have, especially when you're young, it's hard to have enough reference experiences to really have that message sink in. I'll tell myself, hey, man, that stuff that you're, what you're going after isn't going to bring happiness and fulfillment, man. As a matter of fact, you can, you can get all that stuff 
and you can still be, feel very empty. And that's a lesson. And, and I may have not listened to that because that was a lesson that I had to learn. The most fulfillment that I've got was I grow for myself. I do better. I do the best I can because I deserve to, to be, show up as my best self in my life. I owe it to myself to live the best possible life that I can because I am alive and there's opportunities and it'd be a great disservice to my friends and my family and humanity if I didn't live the best I possibly can and also help other people do the same. Huge, major, major disservice. So the biggest fulfillment that's come for me in my life is the growth that I've experienced for myself when I do it specifically for myself and helping other people overcome their challenges. Like when Tim, thanks for, you know, uh, the, you know, nice words and compliments. And when some people say that I'm really making a huge difference, bro, that's why I do it. Like there's nothing that makes me happier than contributing and seeing people have these breakthroughs in their life. So, um, when you take, take your, take your focus off yourself in terms of like, how can I make myself look great? Think about how can I make others look great? How can I uplift other people and also work on myself at the same time? Do you have anything you want to plug or shout out or, or say just to finish up the, the podcast? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So I put together uh, something very special for, for those. Like if you want to have, um, if you want to grow your network or you want to have a seven-figure business owner, a mentor, whatever it is, uh, I put together a free PDF, like the seven common mistakes that people make when it comes to connecting with people. So you can go down to gregsfreepdf.com. It's completely free. Grab that PDF. Um, learn how to, because like my life Again, I'm not a self-made person. A reason why I am the way I am is because I had ambitious people around me. I had mentors. I had connections. And um, in that PDF, I talk about the seven mistakes that people make. Also, check out my podcast, CEO Life. You can learn more about how to overcome adversity. You can learn how to overcome doubts and fears and um, just everything when it comes to how to be a better person and contribute. So again, that's gregsfreepdf.com. And you can also go on Spotify and type in CEO life. Beautiful. And also your YouTube channel and other podcasts at Lyle Circle. I know I derive tremendous value from the content you put out there. So I recommend anybody who's listening, just search Greg Santos at Lyle Circle. It will come up and, and the content there is so valuable. Greg, man, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you. Thank you for being you. Boom. Episode one complete. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making it through to the end. I really, really appreciate you. Um, let me know what you thought. You can find me on Instagram, at Tim Heinem. You can find me on LinkedIn, again, Tim Heinem. Um yeah, send me a DM. Just let, let me know what you thought. I really appreciate your feedback. And everything that just, Greg just said there at the end, um, you will be able to find links to those things in the show notes and the show description. So be sure to check that out. The other thing which we didn't discuss there at the end is the Morning Hustlers. The Morning Hustlers is a community of young entrepreneurs and professionals Um not everyone there is young, but it's a really, really incredible community, incredibly supportive. Wish we, every single day we get together. Greg, Greg does a little talk. There's conversation before and after. It's everyone is sharing and supporting each other and growing together. And I honestly cannot recommend it enough. So 
Again, that is The Morning Hustlers. You can go to morninghustlers.com and you'll find all the information there. Again, that will be linked in the show description. And I just want to touch very briefly on what I said at the end as well, which is we always think about what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? But we're not human doings. We're human beings. And so rather than constantly thinking about, oh, you know, this is what I'm doing. Think about instead, this is who I am. Because we're human beings. And one of my one of my favourite things to say to someone is, thank you for doing what you do. And even more than that, thank you for being who you are. Because the person that you are is so important. It's fundamental. And... I think it's good to show appreciation for the person someone is, not just the acts that they do. But that being said, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making it through to the end. Let me know what you thought. Check out the links. Check out Greg Santos. Incredible, incredible guy. Instagram, at Greg Santos with a zero for the O. Again, at Greg Santos with a zero in the place of the O on Santos incredible man reach out to him speak with him i can't recommend it enough and thank you so much for getting through to the end i appreciate you all